I think we can all agree that we're probably going to be doing our holiday shopping a little bit earlier this year. We want to get it done with. We're learning about efficiency and productivity. So that is why I wanted to do something not only beautiful, but great for the environment. So welcome to Ana Luisa Jewelry. I am so excited about this partnership. I have been wearing my Ana Luisa Jewelry constantly, right? So Ana Luisa is a carbon neutral jewelry company, and they're a brand with a simple and clear cut idea that high quality jewelry just shouldn't cost the planet, right? So what's amazing about them is that there is no unnecessary mining, there's no excessive markups, they use recycled materials whenever it's possible, and they're 100% carbon and water neutral from cradle to grave right? We don't, who doesn't love that? So while you're doing your holiday shopping, you know that you're also doing something that's great for the environment, right? So Anna Luisa is offering 10% off to our listeners when you use the code Eliza G at checkout. They have new jewelry collections that are released every single Friday. I can definitely assure you I have been wearing their earring cuffs on my ears nonstop, I want to wear them to bed if it wasn't a little bit uncomfortable, but I'm telling you, they really spice up the ears. I think that we're all really into that. I think that the slick bun is coming back with a cool earring happening. So I definitely have been wearing my Antoinette earring and make sure you're using the code Eliza G at checkout to check out their new jewelry. And again, they have fair prices with jewelry starting at just $39 with new collections released every single Friday. And did I mention that they're carbon neutral? We love that. So again, make sure that you check out Anna Luisa at analuisa.com. Use the code Eliza G at checkout or go to the link in the show notes, click on that directly and you will be prompted with 10% off of your purchase. Thank you so much, Anna Luisa, for sponsoring today's episode. Welcome to the Hotter Than Health podcast, a plant-dominant podcast and resource for those looking to expand and elevate their health. Every Thursday, you can expect provocative and engaging topics, entertaining interviews, and some of the biggest names in health and wellness. Be prepared for tangible tips and takeaways, and to fully understand what it means to live an optimized and energized life. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Hotter Than Health. I am so excited to have you here for today's episode. If you are interested in nutrition, a healthy lifestyle, if you're interested at all in plant-based and plant dominant lifestyles, this is the episode for you, whether you are just getting into it, whether you are interested in it, whether some of your friends are, or you're trying to figure out how to, you know, get your man to, or get your partner or roommates on board. This is the episode to listen to. I have Elizabeth Coe of Hot Healthy on the podcast today. You can check her out on Instagram at H-A-U-T-E healthy. And you can also check out her podcast, Plant Based Not Perfect. Be on the lookout for a podcast swap that her and I are going to be doing together. I am so looking forward to that. 
In today's interview, we go over so many topics that we get questions on all the time. We talk about meal prep, plant-based meal prep. We talk all about how to live an 80-20 lifestyle. What does that look like? We talk about alcohol. We talk about a balanced lifestyle while still enjoying some cocktails, but also uh, we talk about what to do when you feel like you're growing out of an old lifestyle. And I really enjoy Elizabeth's approach to this. And I've been following Elizabeth for a long time. We have mutual friends who set us up and we just knew that we would get along immediately and we absolutely did. I am so excited for you all to get on board with her lifestyle. I'm so excited for you guys to hear her story of how she cured all of the symptoms of her endometriosis. Uh, She talks about her mom's health struggles that really motivated her. And overall, I think that something that is not often known or I don't think is highlighted enough in our industry is the fact that she is all research-based. And Elizabeth is absolutely a fanatic of making sure that there is viable proof, evidence, and she cites all of those things in her podcast. So if you want that simple scientific approach, that is her deal. She's really great at uh, taking elaborate and complex topics and breaking them down to make them super digestible, no pun intended. So I'm so pumped to have her on today. And I knew immediately that she would be so valuable for the podcast because I feel like so many people ask questions on how to integrate more of a plant-based lifestyle into your busy life or what does it look like to not count calories? What does it look like to not worry about hitting your protein, hitting your macros? I feel like anytime I talk to clients that are tracking their macros, it's maybe works for a little bit, but then it ends up being so unsustainable. So I truly appreciate her approach. Without further ado, let's introduce Elizabeth Coe, host of the Plant-Based Not Perfect podcast with me, but you guys make sure you listen until the very, very end of the podcast or skip through if you guys are getting close to the end. We're doing a giveaway for her new meal plan ebook. It is the best. It just came out on Monday, so make sure you guys are listening on how to enter for that giveaway. All you have to do is follow us both on social media, follow the podcast on social media, and you'll be entered to win her seven-day meal plan ebook that she has worked so very hard on. All right, let's introduce Elizabeth to the Hotter Than Health podcast. Elizabeth, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to finally chat with you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited too. So for those of you who listen to the intro of the podcast, uh, but are still wondering a little bit more about Elizabeth. So Elizabeth is the host of plant-based, not perfect, the podcast and the brand. So Elizabeth, tell us a little about you and how you got into plant-based, not perfect, not to dumb it down, but it's a very direct, very direct name. (laughs) So I feel like people know what they're getting into. So tell us a little about your upbringing, how you grew up and how you got into this industry. Okay. Well, I grew up in Virginia for the first kind of portion of my life. And then when I was around eight, my parents split up and my mom moved us to Florida and I didn't really grow up. I thought I was healthy, but now looking back, I realized I I really wasn't that healthy. But um, one consistent thing was that my mom was always sick, like colds and the flu and um, bronchitis. And later in life, it turned into 
depression. And it was just kind of something I dealt with for the majority of my life. That's something I always remember. So I was always really adverse to taking medications of any kind. I just didn't even take aspirin. Like I refused to take anything because I just saw so much of it being taken. Um, so that was really like the better part of my, my upbringing. Um, and when then, you, not to cut you off, but you mentioned, yeah. you know, you thought you were healthy, but you looking back weren't, can you give some examples of what that might be? Sure. Like what so, that was like? Yeah. My mom always did ensure that we were eating like whole wheat bread. I wasn't ever allowed to have white bread. Um, she was really strict about sugar because I was a very energetic child and, and, uh, she wouldn't really let me have like sodas and like a lot of processed foods or the popular cereals and things like that. So I didn't grow up with like lucky charms, which was something I really wanted. So I'd sneak over to my friends. So I could have lucky charms. <laughs> so I thought that that was relatively healthy compared to my friends at the time, but in high school, when my mom got really depressed, she wasn't cooking for us anymore. And I had to kind of learn how to make food for myself. Like, and I just would make, you know, craft macaroni and cheese and like cut up hot dogs in it. I don't know what I was <laughs> doing. <laughs> um, so my, anything that like we had stability of always eating meals together every night that were like, healthy. We always had a salad. My brother actually was vegan when he was in high school and I was in middle school, my brother went vegan. So this was over 20 years ago when it wasn't as like mainstream as it yeah. is now. So that was like, you know, he would like moo at our kitchen table if we ate meat. <laughs> like so starting, a, starting passive aggressive, like super young, <laughs> very young. Like he threw out like all of our products made by Procter and Gamble, which is like everything. <laughs> So that was my first foray into like, nobody said plant-based, like it was just, he was very strict vegan. And so I did see that when I was younger and I was just like, I'm not giving up my Sam's hot dogs and stuff. Like, no, thank you. I didn't even think about it. And so that was kind of that portion of my life where I thought I was healthy. Then I went off to college. Um, I went to University of Florida in Gainesville. And I partied a ton. I ate like pizza every single night. I wasn't active at all. Um, and in high school, I had been pretty active. I was on like dance line. I played softball. So it kind of, even though I wasn't eating that great, I was like maintenance, like I was okay. And then I went to college and it was just like, no. <laughs> Everything starts to catch up. Yes, I definitely gained probably 30 pounds, but I still thought I looked great. Like I, I didn't notice it really. Um, until my parents were like, uh, you've definitely put on weight. So when you see and, the mirrors around you. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't, um, bother me. And I also did not approach it from a standpoint, like I have to lose it all, or I need to like restrict anything to lose the weight. I never actually had that type of mindset. Um, I was just like, I need to stop eating pizza every day and stop drinking so much beer. Like it was pretty obvious to me mm -hmm. what I, what I needed to do. So yes. So that was my, you know, college portion, um, not very healthy again. And then about 
eight or nine years ago, I actually read my first kind of like nutrition health book. It was written by the personal trainer of Elle McPherson. And it wasn't about being plant-based, but it did talk about different nutrition um, tips. And it kind of blew my mind because I just had never read anything about health and nutrition. So it kind of started that initial spark. And then like Instagram was just becoming a little bit more popular, but it wasn't used the way that it is used now. And I discovered a lot of vegan influencers at the time. And I just went down the rabbit hole. I fell in love with everything I was reading and learning. I watched all the documentaries was like, I'm fruititarian, like the next day, like, <laughs> so you went from zero to 100. You kind of were like, okay, I have this bug, but were you doing it in a way that I think that the re- way you can stay sustain- sustainable with it is if you're not doing it for some pie in the sky end result, you're not saying, oh, I want to lose 40 pounds, 30 pounds. I'm going to go do this like a diet mentality. You more so absorbed it into your lifestyle, right? Yeah. I actually, you know, I never have dieted. I never dieted in my life. It was never something that I tried in high school or college. Like I never had that mindset. So I didn't approach uh, veganism the same way either. I was much more uh, ethically feeling responsible for what was going on. And it really touched at like my heartstrings of compassion And then I discovered the health benefits. So it really was more about that. It was really never about weight because at this point, like I didn't really need to lose weight. That wasn't why I was doing it. I was just like, my eyes were open when I learned about how things are done and like farm factory meat. So it just like, once I learned it, I couldn't unlearn it. So it was just very hard for me to not go from zero to a hundred in that moment. But to your point, it wasn't very sustainable because I just wasn't doing it in a sustainable way. I didn't have like healthy habits to support my new lifestyle. I just knew like, okay, I'm not eating any of these things anymore. And I don't think that can last. It's not, it's not realistic in my lifestyle. And I know for many people, it's not realistic. So I kind of like went back to the standard American diet. Um, I was partying a lot more back then, like drinking a lot more alcohol. So I ate a lot more like processed food and kind of junk food and stuff like that. And then about a year and a half later, my mom, you know, her health had been, has a lot of ups and downs. And she, it was actually like the night before my then fiance and I were eloping, we were leaving to go to Bali the next day. Oh my gosh. Cool. (laughs) And my stepdad called me and said that my mom was in the hospital. She had congestive heart failure and it was really, really bad. Um, Her heart was only functioning at like a 15% ejection fraction. And most of our hearts are like a 60 something percent. So it was very, very low. Mm -hmm. I know that must be terrifying. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always been something like my biggest worry has been my mom's health. So that was just like, so upsetting. And I wasn't sure if I should still leave the next day, but my, my parents are like, there's nothing like you can come do, you know, they have her stabilized. And my husband actually works in the heart unit at a hospital here. 
So he understands the heart really well and congestive heart failure. So he was able to kind of like, ex- like explain it to me better. So I didn't feel like yeah. as worried, I guess. Um, when you, so you went from standard American diet, partying, beer, college, and then went straight into, you know, vegan, very restrictive, but you mentioned that you didn't have the lifestyle and the habits to support that. So Mm -hmm. it, what I hear is, you know, you're still going out, you're still partying, but maybe you will, you'll still order a pizza, but you'll do no cheese, no meat. Like, or you'll, what were some of the, what were some of the lifestyle habits that you continue to have that were not supporting wanting to be healthier and focus on longevity. Yeah. So I wasn't even thinking about (laughs) longevity. I think in the beginning, it was more the animal part that really got me, you know, the documentaries, they really, they really uh, (laughs) get you in the heart. They really will. Damn. (laughs) So I would um, still eat pizza with like cheese, but I wouldn't have meat on it necessarily. Okay. Um, okay. at the time, but I wasn't like setting up my day to be nutritionally dense. So I wasn't worried about like, am I getting greens? Am I getting enough fiber? Like I was just eating like fruit all day long. That was pretty okay. much it. And then Got I'd it. go out and drink and eat like a whole pizza. <laughs> so you were introducing some things that were different just because of like for moral and ethical reasons. And then it mm-hmm. started to become more of an evolved approach. Was this after your mom? So when you, yes. when you figured out and you found out that news about your mom having congestive heart failure, what, what was your alternative? You are also I mean, for anyone who doesn't know this, you were also going to Bali the next day, which is the health mecca of the world, like plant-based dream town. So what was that like? Yeah. So actually, so I got my master's degree in technical writing, which is taking very difficult subjects and like manuals and turning them into something that's digestible and easy for people to understand. It's a very random (laughs) degree. (laughs) That is the coolest degree I've ever heard. (laughs) Okay. Well, most people work in like work for like Lockheed Martin or something, but I love research and I love like finding out the answer to something and then like making sense of it all and kind of turning it into something that other people can understand. So that is what I did. Like I immediately went into research mode on congestive heart failure And it just brought me down the path again of the benefits of a mainly plant-based diet, you know? And once I kind of got back into it, I was like, okay, now I have my why. My why is my mom. And then ultimately like my long-term health, like to hopefully not have these same heart problems and obesity and, you know, high blood pressure and diabetes, these things that people think just you inherit from your family and it's actually doesn't have to be inherited. So once I really understood that I was like, okay, I'm going to do this again, but I'm going to do it in a realistic, sustainable way that is not so strict. And that is how I became plant-based, not perfect. (laughs) I love that. Okay. So 
let's stop and pause right there because what you just said is where so many people start. They have every intention they have their, why they want, whether it's, you know, they want to reduce inflammation, stress, they just want to feel better, whether it's digestion, weight loss, whatever it is, or maybe they just want to set better examples for like their husbands and their families. When you said, okay, I want to make it sustainable. I don't want to go on a diet, but I want to find some balance in this plant-based, not perfect lifestyle what were your initial steps going into it? That was one of the questions that we had is like, how do you integrate a plant-based, not perfect lifestyle when you have this deep desire to do it, but you don't know the first, you don't know the first step. Yeah. Well, I think the first step, and I talk about this a lot is knowing your why is your why, you know, I think it can always be as superficial as just weight loss because there's not longevity in that. Like Yes, you will experience, I think, year round, you know, maintenance. Um, once you eat primarily plant based, you know, it kind of like excess weight can fall off. But I think that's you need more than that. Is your why to be able to play with your children? Is your why to maybe it's vanity? Like some of that is for me, like anti aging. I want to look great as I get older. Um, maybe it's like, your joints and how you feel when you get up off the floor, like you want to just feel better, have more energy. So I think definitely your why. And then also, I think that being prepared is the biggest key. So for me, it was like, okay, I know I want to do this differently, but I need to be more prepared. So I make those choices every single day and also like plan out my week. What do I want to eat this week? What are my lunches? What are my dinners? And kind of make sure it's like a varied, diverse plant-based diet. Um, And you're not just getting stuck in one rut and one, I feel like so many people are like, oh, I have this one really healthy meal that I make, which is totally fine to start with and integrate in. But again, finding that variety. When you mention preparation, what are some specifics? Because you have a full- I hate saying nine to five job, but you have a full (laughs) corporate job and you're a very busy woman, but then you also have your podcast, you have your brand, you have your Instagram, social media, everything. So what, you know, for someone who has only so many hours in the day, what does your preparation look like? Or what did it look like in the beginning? Because I feel like it's gotten just to be seamless and now you just, just enjoy it. But what was your (laughs) day-to-day like for preparation in the beginning? Yeah. So I think for me, getting inspiration from like Pinterest or Instagram or people I follow, I save different meals. And then on, on the weekend, I will kind of sit down and just look at what I put, like what I saved and think, okay, I definitely want to make like one new recipe this week. And I don't try to overwhelm it. In the beginning, I was like, I'm going to make something different every day with like, intricate vegan cheeses and like too many ingredients. And that didn't work for me. So I made it very simple. And that's something I try to share like in my eBooks and everything I do. It's for the busy person. I, cause I understand like having a full-time job, having events and family, um, who might not eat the way that you do and stuff like that. So I think just making it super, super simple is the key and not like adding more stress on top of you to have to go out and find all these ingredients and spend a lot of money. Like I'm very frugal. So I'm all about like minimalism, even with cooking. Uh, So for me, that was the biggest thing that changed. So now it's like, I know I want to make a soup this week and it's whole food based. Like 
what kind of protein do I want in it? I choose like which beans. Um, I always throw in greens and then you get your kind of like basic recipes that you can riff off of like as you go. And then each week I pick one new thing to try out and make. So that's kind of how I've changed, but also, you know, everything has changed. So I think before I was spending a lot of my free time drinking and now I don't do that anymore. So I have a lot more free time on the weekends and at night to work towards my health. And because my, now my health is my goal. So it kind of, as you change, I think over the years of like, what's important to you, a lot of things shift along the way. So it's like, it's not hard for me to find the time because Mm -hmm. it's, it's my priority now. That's huge. So many people are, you know, we've had podcast episodes on people who have, even if it wasn't technically alcoholism or having any misuse of alcohol, it's just no longer serving them. So wherever you are with alcohol, whether you feel really good, if you're, you're still staying with your goals and your everything, when you minimized your alcohol, obviously that is great for anti-aging. It's great for sleep. It's great for hormones, everything. So when you reduced drinking, what were your drinking habits like initially? And what were your steps into drinking a little bit less with, you know, social settings with your, you know, going out to eat? What were your pitfalls that you ran into? What were some of the struggles and how did you integrate more of your health becoming a priority, but also enjoying it and not feeling like you were restricting or, you know, missing out on friends? What was that like? Actually, I think as you mature and for me, I think just, you know, now I'm 39, um, 10 years ago when I was still in my twenties, you look like you're 24. (laughs) Oh, thank you. <laughs> not exaggerating. When I first started following you, I was like, yeah, she's like twenties or so. You, uh, that's incredible. You look so, I swear so like plant-based it is anti-aging and out al- and not drinking alcohol. I never smoke cigarettes. Like I do think all those things come into play because when I look back at pictures, even in my twenties, like I really think I look better now. So I'm kind of like, it's definitely done something. Um, I look back at photos too. And I'm like, well, I didn't have eyebrows, but now I have eyebrows <laughs> and I, I'm like, my face was, it just, when I smiled it, like I, I naturally have like a heart shaped face, but my cheeks were so puffy, which is fine and not bad. But I noticed if I go a couple of weeks without really drinking, maybe like one or two drinks, then it's just wild. Like the puffs under my eyes, there's no, like, it's just insane how much it naturally deflates you. And I think, you know, one of the big things I talk about too, of knowing your why and surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded and making sure that the people that you're following, whether it's on social media or people you're, you're friends with are positive, motivational, inspirational. Like when I really took stock of what I was doing in my spare time and who my friends were, you know, and how much time I spent partying to me, it just wasn't aligning anymore with how I was feeling on the inside. Like I just feel so good not being hung over. Now that's not to say I never drink. Like I'm definitely very much 80, 20 lifestyle because it's all about sustainability for me. So 
it's just really pared down over the years as I've gotten more and more into health and like how great I feel. So it's just been a very organic journey, but it was hard for me at first, um, to just not drink as much. And I realized like when I went out, you know, you're always used to having a drink in your hand and you end up drinking. So so quickly. And I tried to just really even through a straw, that. like little things. Yes. Like that. If you remove the straw, it's just like y- you drink so much slower. You can order a double with water. I want to hear your tips and tricks on that for, <laughs> because you say partying and people mention like, I just am not in the partying phase. It doesn't mean you can't be social. So I think there's a big spectrum of partying where it's, you know, you hear partying and you might think, you know, you're going to the clubs and you're going out and you're drinking at least you know, a few drinks per week. And then on the weekends, you just go ham. And then there's on the other side of the spectrum where you are not really drinking at all, but you're still going out. And I think that that's kind of the sweet spot mm-hmm. where you can find times to have some, have some glasses of nice wine, or you like, you have your tequila, but you're not pounding shots. So what was the spectrum that you started on? Where in that spectrum did you start on when you first were realizing the importance of your health and the lifestyle that had to come along with it in order for it to be sustainable? And then where would you say you are now? Yeah. So at that time I was probably going out maybe like one or two nights during the week, definitely on the weekends, like Saturday, Sunday, fun day, I would drink quite a bit. And I just really didn't like who I was when I drank too much. And I kind of not blame college, but when you go to like a big party school, I just feel like it becomes so like, it's not even something you think about. That's just how you guys drink. When you go out, you drink in excess. Like there's no like monitoring how much you're drinking. It's like just very embedded in everything you do. It's like a culture, like drinking culture. It's just by default for sure. It's just what you do. I agree. Yeah. And I really examined what was important to me. And I think journaling is a huge tool that I use that I recommend to really think about my relationship with alcohol and like, who do I want to be? Like, do I want to be someone who prepares and plans every Sunday and goes grocery shopping? Or do I want to be hungover all Sunday and like eat even worse food and don't move my body? Like I, I just really looked at my, who it was I wanted to show up as. And then I worked on building my habits to better reflect that. And along the way, like some of those friendships I had that were very superficial drinking friendships kind of just naturally fell away with time. Some of the people moved away. Like it wasn't anything dramatic or anything. It just, we had really nothing much in common other than drinking together. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's okay. Like you're going to have different friendships and people who come in your life at different times and maybe you needed them in that moment or they needed you. And then I think like things ebb and flow. You're not always best friends with the people you're best friends with when you were 19 or whatever. So for me, it was a very natural step. And then what I did when I would go out and when I do go out is I monitor how much I'm drinking. So for me, I was like, okay, after three drinks tops, it just doesn't end well. Like it just, I go out to like two in the morning dancing. I love to have, I love dancing, but I don't need to be drunk to dance. And I really, and had once to you reach a that. certain level of drinking, it's like, there's no more, 
you're going to stay at that level of buzz. You know, mm-hmm. you'll be fine. You're not, nobody thinks that you're getting more fun if you're drinking more. I know. You know? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not necessarily getting funnier. I'm just um, slurring. Well, so I want to ask about that. Let's say, for example, sake, you're going out to dinner and you guys go to a lot of my clients, they struggle or they think that they are struggling with going out to eat. And they think, well, you know, there's, I don't get to choose the restaurant. There's going to be a ton of unhealthy options. I don't know what, you know, I'm going to overeat. I don't know what to do. I'm going to drink. Talk about what your mindset is going into those dinners. And, you know, you have friends around, they're having cocktails, you know, but then they're ordering shots and then there's bottles of wine, you know, it keeps progressing. What is your mindset there? What are some things that you order and how do you go about that? starting from, you know, let's say you're, you know, that you're going at night. Do you change anything during your day? How does that work for you? Mm -hmm. I like to follow the 80, 20 kind of loose guideline of like 80% of the time during my work week, I don't really go out to eat very much during the work week, just because my schedule and my husband's schedule, like he doesn't get home till almost 8 PM from the hospital. So it's kind of just become something we honestly just don't do that much, but on the weekends, like maybe, you know, we'll go out to dinner. So what I'll do is just ensure my day is set up as it would be normally. So like I have my lean green smoothie, I eat, you know, something nutritious for lunch. I make sure like I'm eating whole plant-based foods as much as possible. And then I know that when I go to dinner, like there might be cheese and something, I might have a glass of wine, but it's happening only maybe once a week. So to me, like that is my 20%. So whatever happens when I go out to eat, it's like, oh, it didn't really even happen because it's just like such it's a, a rare just a blip occurrence. on the radar. It's the blip, you know, it's it's not what makes up my everyday life. So for me, I think, you know, I just honestly I'm not really in that situation as much. And then the people that I spend my time with, first of all, they know how dedicated I am to my health. And I think they respect that. And they're also interested in similar, similar things, but that's not to say like we go on trips, my husband surfs. So we travel quite a bit and we drink when we're on vacation and maybe eat like more processed foods and things that I wouldn't normally have on my daily basis. But again, I just feel like it's not my overall life. That's going to lead to longevity. These are just like small things that happen. So I don't really mm-hmm. even think about it anymore, but I always I look up the menu before I go. <laughs> that's a good tip. Good tip. And like making sure there's like a healthy option, but if you want to have some bites or if you want like to share some Mac and cheese, then whatever. And completely, I think that naturally as maybe some friendships start to fade away, others will introduce themselves, or there's this going to be this like magic period of like, maybe you have a little less on your social calendar and then that's okay. You know, it will, that's all temporary. It's all part of the process. And you mentioned that your husband is a surfer. So he clearly lives this active lifestyle. You know, he works with people's hearts in the hospital. So, Mm -hmm. or in the cardiac unit, I think you mentioned with living with a husband, do, 
obviously. What <laughs> do you guys eat the same foods? Does he cook? Does he eat what you cook? Or was that a transition as well? I know there's a lot of people who are resistant to changing up their lifestyle, maybe because of their spouse or their partner, or maybe just their roommates, you know, maybe there's like Cheez-Its and Pringles and steaks all over the place. What, <laughs> what would you say to someone who's living with a partner or a person who isn't along that same lifestyle? Yeah. So I always recommend just leading by example and doing what works feels best for you. And if people give you a hard time, whether it's like family members or friends, it's just kind of, I say, you know, this is what feels best for me. Like, this is how I feel my best. I don't get into all the like facts and the studies and I don't preach. Um, I try to lead by example, like it's funny because a lot of times more people come around and will ask me like, how are you looking so young or how are you staying so fit? And then I explain, well, I'm eating primarily plant-based. And then it just kind of like takes on a life of its own. Like we lived with my mother-in-law um, before we were getting married because we were building our house. And I had just jumped into like, right at that time was when I became plant-based again. And I was just like, so passionate about it. And she's like my best friend, my mother-in-law. So we would talk about it and we were making her dinner every night as like paying our rent. And she lost like 20 pounds. Like she was just eating like I was and she got super into it. And now, you know, she's plant-based. So it's like, I what think were it, some of the meals that you would make for dinner. Yeah. Um, well, I eat a pretty high complex carb diet. So potatoes and like soups with beans in them. I was making a lot of like sweet potato tacos at that time. I remember, I don't know why <laughs> I discovered it in like a book and I was making just, um, I love soups and like stew kind of things. So anything like that with veggies and potatoes are like a, a staple of mine or like sweet potato French fries, like trying to healthify things a little bit. Cause I like salty things more than I like sweet things. So in the same way. Yeah. And that was like a perfect example. Like she just got really inspired to her, her feelings are more around the animal part of it. Um, but she's seen so many health benefits from it. So that was really cool. And then my husband was probably like, please stop talking about <laughs> <laughs> Like I would be reading, I love to read. So I've read like every plant-based health book there is, and he doesn't read as much as I do. So I'd be like, well, here it says, you know, this isn't good for prostate cancer. And then I'd like plant the seed and kind of like let him go along his way. And then mm -hmm. I, he'd come back and be like, I don't think I'm going to eat eggs because this couldn't be more fitting as we're talking to Elizabeth about a plant-based, not perfect lifestyle. As I mentioned in this podcast, I definitely do a little bit of plant-based protein a few times per week. I love it. My boyfriend loves it. We are obsessed with it. That is why I refuse to take any other supplements other than Organifi. So Organifi is my absolute favorite supplement brand. Everything is organic. It is sourced properly and ethically, and it is also glyphosate free. All right. That is something that nobody else is doing on the market right now. And glyphosate means that it, it glyphosate free means that it has been tested and tried to make sure that we are not ingesting toxic chemicals and 
potential carcinogens. Glyphosate has been shown to be linked to cancers. Um, There's so much research on that right now. And I think that it is so important now more than ever that we are taking more supplements, but knowing exactly where they're coming from. So Organifi is offering 20% off. If you go to Organifi.com slash HTH, all you have to do is click on the link in the show notes, or you can use HTH at checkout for 20% off. I personally love the vanilla protein powder as well as the digestive and mental clarity travel packets, especially before the holidays. I'm bringing these with me everywhere I go. And then the greens powder is also something that I carry in my pocket all the time. Love it so much. Not really in my pocket, more my purse because it's kind of big, but I use the greens powder at least three or four times per week. I think that it is the best tasting greens juice on the market and I highly recommend it. You're filling in all of those nutritional gaps that you may be missing, especially during the holidays. And I'm telling you, once you're filling in those nutritional gaps, cravings start to go away, blood sugar start to level out. I'm telling you, it's amazing. So make sure you check out Organifi.com slash HTH for 20% off of your order. Check out the organic vanilla protein powder as well as the greens juice. Thank you so much Organifi for sponsoring this week's episode. Sorry about the choppy break and all of that. We've just gone through... (laughs) Helen high water to get back on to the podcast. We lost connection for a little bit, but continue, um, 80, 20 lifestyle, how we can be in, incorporating these things. Yes, definitely. So one of the things I think is really important is also not assigning labels to yourself or saying, I think the moment you say that you're vegan, it almost puts more stress on yourself to show up and be perfect. And I know that it did for me in the beginning a little bit. And I think just falling into kind of putting yourself in a box, it limits you. So that's why I like plant-based, not perfect as just a general kind of like tagline. Cause it's like most of the time you're plant-based, but you're not perfect. So you might still drink alcohol. You might still eat animal products, you know, have some processed food, like Cause there's also from veganism and plant-based, there's also, once you become plant-based, people get really strict about being plant-based, like only whole foods, nothing processed. And that's also a very dogmatic way of living mm-hmm. and why I really tried to, what really spurred my initial idea of the podcast, because I was seeing a lot of the questions I was receiving were people who were restricting and questioning like, well, how do you lose weight by not calorie counting? And it's like, no, you know, we want to just promote eating real food in abundance. So I really got motivated to start the podcast because I wanted to help other people and remove that strictness around being Mm plant-based. And I, and I think that that's really helped a lot of people from what I read on their feedback and their reviews, like finding food freedom, whether that was just, you know, incorporating more plants or even within the plant-based lifestyle, not being mm-hmm. so rigid and strict. I think that I don't count calories. I don't use apps to count anything. I try to just make sure I have a really diverse plant-based diet. And I think that people are almost shocked because it's like, how do you not count anything? And how do you not weigh yourself? And it's like, you don't, you don't need to. So I try to really simplify things. Um, for other people to help them. And I think it's not about the numbers because numbers don't calculate 
the nutrients you're getting. So when you're eating like lower calorie density foods, like fruits and vegetables, you can eat a lot more of them. So I think that's also something that people learn along the way. And they're kind of like, well, how can I be healthy and be eating like these huge salads and tons of like vegetables? And it's like, you, you can you can. And I think that it's all about the variety and finding balance and finding, um, just understanding that you can find joy in food and you can make things taste good and it doesn't have to be so restrictive. So I have a question about that. So you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier in the podcast that your diet is dominant in complex carbohydrates. So things like, you know, whole grains, beans, pastas, I want to talk about that a little bit. I know that there's a lot of villainizing with some carbohydrates. Um, and also people are frequently concerned. They just say like, like, I just feel like I'm not getting enough protein. I feel weak. I feel all these things. And, you know, at some points I do believe that there is truth to that. Maybe there's not enough balance happening in their meals. Mm -hmm. What Um, what prompted you to focus primarily on complex carbohydrates? I want to hear your thoughts on fiber. And I also want to hear how you feel about prioritizing proteins. I still do eat fish occasionally. Um, Mm -hmm. honestly, a few times a week, I just, I enjoy it. It feels good. And it's just kind of how I, that's my 80, 20. So what are your thoughts on protein and your lifestyle with carbohydrates? How, how are people's reactions to that? (laughs) so I actually read a few books I'm a very avid reader um English major so there's the 80 10 10 diet which was a little too strict in my opinion but I did I like to read like both sides of the coin I listen to like Joe Rogan who eats a ton of meat like I like to listen to other people's opinions and not only think my way is the only way and I did do a whole episode on seafood to understand if it is correlated with the same diseases that a lot of uh, farm factory meat can be, and it isn't. So I still am open to eating uh, fish as well. Cause I just, it just, there's no science that shows that it leads to heart disease, diabetes, and those types of things. So that's definitely in my 20% as well. And I just try to be super evidence-based. So there's another great book called the starch solution by Dr. McDougall. And he is very high complex carbohydrates and how there's whole like civilizations that like the Incas who lived on primarily complex carbs and they were very fit and trim and, and healthy. So a lot of it, I think is marketing. Like people think, you know, potatoes are bad for you. They're a carb, but I think from what I have learned, there's a difference between, you know, refined white carbohydrates, like white bread, white pasta, that is really refined. There's not a lot of nutritional value versus a potato that you're literally picking out of the ground. Like there's nutrients, vitamins, there's fiber in it. They're just not comparable. And I think people get a little confused thinking all carbohydrates are the same or like a banana being a carb is fattening for you. And it's, and it's sad because these foods that have fiber and nutrients get villainized. And if you actually look at the science, I mean, (laughs) there, anything that you can go pick up off a tree is not going to be harmful to your health, Mm -hmm. whether some people don't digest things as well, 
I think that's another story. Like my husband can't eat potatoes every night. Like he just doesn't feel the best. Whereas I can, and I, I believe in bio individuality. I don't think totally is the same. I completely agree. I think that if my boyfriend and I were to eat just brown rice pasta every night, I think I would feel really good with that and a bunch of veggies. And he would be like, that's fine, but I probably need to add something else into it. You know, I think mm-hmm. and he's also, we have obviously different bodies. So thoughts on protein thoughts on balance, getting your protein from beans and chia seeds and an abundance of fruits and vegetables. I know that I'm a big proponent of talking about all the amino acids. I know our bodies are so smart, so they can put different amino acids together. Um, I still do. Cause I, you know, live a very active lifestyle. I still do a plant-based protein powder. I really enjoy it a number of times per week. And that seems to work perfectly for me, but what are your thoughts on protein? And when you have people saying, Hey, I feel like I'm not getting enough protein or Mm -hmm. I, or I tracked my macros and it says I'm not getting enough protein. Um, what are your thoughts there? I have a lot of thoughts on that, but let me condense that for you. It's such Um, a loaded question. I know. Yeah. Well, I think that first of all, most Americans are getting more protein than you actually need. The recommended amounts like for a woman, I think are like 46 grams or something like that. So one cup of lentils is almost like 20 grams of plant-based protein. Now, sometimes people argue like, well, it doesn't have all of the same aminos in it. Whereas like quinoa is a good option that does, but you might not want to eat quinoa every day of your life. So I, I get that. So I think there's a couple parts of it. Can you get enough protein from plants? Absolutely. Do you need to be more mindful of it when you're eating plant-based? I think so. And if that's what's part of your goals or you're an athlete or very active, I think it's totally fine to prioritize adding more plant-based protein in to whether it's your smoothie in the morning, your lunch. Um, I'm definitely not against like also your cycle. Sometimes I find that like before my period, I need more like high fats. So I'll throw in nuts to my smoothie, which have protein in them. Um, I'm cool with plant-based protein powders, as long as, you know, I think they need to be organic, preferably hemp or like pea protein are both really great options. But I think we prioritize people get so hung up on macronutrients. It's like almost, it's almost sad. I I just don't understand worrying so much about one macronutrient. Like it's, um, you know, most there there's studies and vegetarians get more than enough of protein. You know, you're, if you're eating a varied plant-based diet, you're, you're meeting your goals. So I think that you can achieve it with a plant-based diet, but if you feel like you need to have animal protein, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm cool with that too. I just don't think you need it every day. I agree. I think also it's important to note that lifestyles are very different and, you know, activity levels are very different. Like if you're a power lifter and you need like quick recovery, there's going to be a higher amount of protein, but also with that, I want to hear your thoughts on, and then I'll let you go. I promise. I want to hear your thoughts on low impact no, workouts. Okay. Um, I know you're a big fan of Melissa Wood health. I've been a huge fan of the Pilates class as of late. And I just think that the low impact, you know, finding length, um, taking yourself out of that box again, it applies to fitness as well. So saying, okay, I don't need to like 
be dying, sweaty, and painful after a workout to know that it worked. I think that just moving your body is really great depending on your goals. So what are your thoughts on low impact workout? How has that been for you? Yes. So I did a bunch of research on this and what I kind of found was that a lot of times, and this of course isn't for everybody, but high intensity workouts can spike your cortisol and make your body store fat. So I do receive a lot of questions. People will be like, well, I'm doing everything right with my diet. And then I say, okay, well, it's not just your diet, it's movement. It's your mindset as well, which is a whole nother topic. I think it's not just about what you're eating. It's, um, it's not as simple as that, but with movement, if they tell me that they're doing like a really intense workout every single day and you're eating like lower calorie foods, your body is kind of going to be like fight or flight. It could store that as fat because it's thinking like a famine's coming. So sometimes you think that you're doing the right things, but you're really putting a lot of stress on your body, which can then have the opposite effect I have found. So that's, you know, I think there's studies that show that HIT helps with weight loss, but I don't think you need to be doing HIT workouts every day of your life. I think it's like a few times a week. And then you need those lower impact workouts like yoga, Pilates, going for walks, you know, the longest living people in the world, like they're not doing boot camp every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't see people in the blue zones in like Positano doing hit hit classes and sprinting up all the stairs all the time. They're just moving a lot and eating really well and yeah, like staying and low stress. And that's what I go back to. It's like, what's your, why is it for me? It's about living a long life filled with quality of my life. Like looking my best, feeling my best. And so if that's, what's important to you and you look at the people who live the longest, like they're not going to, you know, CrossFit every day. And like, I would even argue they're not putting plant-based protein powder in their smoothie every day. Like they're eating real, real food every day. It's Mm -hmm. pretty simple. They're not having a million supplements sent to their house. Like, so to me, I think we just overcomplicate health and it can be so much more simple. And I, I used to do like a boot camp class with weights and I would always find that my legs are just like kind of more muscular and they'd always like bulk a little bit from that. So when I moved into doing more low intensity workouts, like Melissa Woods and Pilates type workouts, I found that my legs stay more lean and I have more like it's toned, but not like muscular, which is my personal, what I like to look like. So I think too, that can depend, I guess, on your goals, but you definitely don't need to be like killing yourself in the gym every day to stay. So many people, so many people say, oh, well, I'm so stressed or I, I have such a stressful lifestyle at work. I just need to go sprint it out or I need to go crush a workout and that'll help me relieve my stress. I think that there is some truth to letting movement become part of your release. But when I just always have been a huge advocate, well, over the past a few years, I've learned this, that we don't need to match the intensity of our lifestyle to the intensity of our workout, you know? Mm. Um, and I just think that that's a little bit too much. It, then it affects your sleep, which affects your hormones, which affects your eating and then fat storage and all this stuff. So it's really all encompassing. You're so right. And, um, so I want to make sure everybody can 
find some of this information. I know you have some big things coming up. So you all, you all are hearing this on the 28th. It is Thursday, the 28th. So tell us about the ebook that you just put out and how we can find it. Yes. So I am putting out an ebook on Monday. It is called the plant-based not perfect reset. It has a meal plan in it, but it kind of allows you to pick and choose what feels best to you. So I try to let people customize it. It's taken me months to put it together because I'm a perfectionist, which is kind of funny, plant-based, not perfect, but with writing, I can be, and it is very detailed. It's 70 plus pages. I always like to bring everything back to science. I just, I'm like a nerd like that. So I want to explain things to people of why we're choosing to do these things, not just telling you this is the way that it is, but I have a seven day meal plan in it. Um, and then it helps you kind of put together how you want to follow it, create your own grocery list. And then I put kind of like all the frequently asked questions I get. I talk about like all my tips and tricks for bloating and, you know, making smoothies and all the like major topics that I touch on, on the podcast and over on my social media, but yeah, I'm very excited about it. It's been like a long time coming. A lot of people have asked for some kind of meal plan, but I wanted to make sure I went about it in a very sustainable way. I had a nutritionist review it, make sure that it's very nutritionally sound because that's really important to me as well. So that's great. I'm so happy to hear someone who is in the influencer space, but also is doing their due diligence with research. That's so huge. And I'm just, I'm so excited to see it. I can't wait. So we're going to do a mini giveaway to anyone listening. Um, make sure that you are following both well, I guess four accounts. So both of my accounts, Eliza G <laughs> underscore wellness and hotter than health. And then where can people find you? What accounts do we need to be following? I'll put them in the show notes. Okay, perfect. So my main account is at hot healthy. You can follow me there. And then I also have an account at plant-based, not perfect for the podcast. I'm a little more active on hot healthy, but those are my two main Instagram accounts. And it's H A U T. Yes. Yes. Like fashionable, like you're Love it. <laughs> Love it. fashionable and healthy. <laughs> so good. So make sure you are following both of the, all, both of, both of our accounts and comment on the hotter than health podcast. Most recent Instagram. Um, it's going to have Elizabeth's photo and a synopsis of the podcast episode, and you will be entered in to win a copy of your ebook, which is so exciting. I love it. I'm so excited. Thank you so so much for meeting with me today. This was such a fun chat. Such a fun chat. Sorry about all the technical snafus, but um, (laughs) you all be on the lookout on Elizabeth's podcast, Plant Based Not Perfect. I'll be on there. We're doing a little bit of a swap in the next couple of weeks. So thank you so much and have an amazing weekend. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I know you absolutely loved hearing from Elizabeth. She has so much knowledge, so much research, and she's just as glowing on the outside as she is inside. So pleased that we all know her now. And remember, for the giveaway, we're giving away a copy of the seven day meal plan ebook that she just came out with on Monday. You want to get your hands on this. I've taken a look at it and it's insane. I can't wait to make some of these super, super simple recipes. But all you have to do is 
please follow myself at Eliza G underscore wellness and Elizabeth at hot healthy H A U T E healthy on Instagram. Follow the podcast on Instagram and you will be entered in to win seven day meal plan ebook. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate and review the podcast five stars on iTunes so that more people can find us when they are trying to improve their lives. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Thursday.